Anybody know what it's like to deal with vision problems? Blurred, blurred vision called a refractive error, in case you want the technical term. There are other, many other uh, maladies uh, that have to do with eyesight. I'm sorry. There we go. Um, Age-related macular degeneration. Some of you may be dealing with that. Some may have cataracts, glaucoma, stigmatisms, um, just all kinds of possibilities that go along with vision and vision-related problems. And understandably, these can cause uh, a lot of issues from, uh, you know, safety hazards. I remember my dear grandfather when he, uh, he continued to drive long after he should have quit, and uh, he scared a lot of us along the way. <laughs> and uh, we prayed. I remember, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I, I was a young driver, Probably, I'm not, I'm not even sure if I had my driver's license yet, but when you live out in the country, sometimes you can get by with driving, thing, driving um, in, in certain areas. And so we had a little, uh, we had a little Pontiac 1000, uh, which I don't know if you remember those, but it's a little hatchback, uh, the same as a Chevette, if you remember a Chevette, a little stick shift and... Um, this was a five-speed, and um, for whatever reason, I was driving over to my grandparents' house on a Sunday morning before church. My grandfather had stopped driving. My grandmother would drive back and forth to wherever they needed to go, um, but my grandfather was in the habit of backing the car out of the garage in the mornings before they left. And I pulled up and into their driveway at the exact moment that my grandfather was backing out the car out of the garage. And it looked to me like he just pushed the pedal down as far as it would go, and he came flying out of the garage in reverse. And I still thank the Lord to this day that he stopped before he got to where I was. And catastrophe was avoided. But, you know, his vision was not good. He could not see. I mentioned this morning that he was, uh, he, he was working on new sermon material when he died, and, and at that time he had been a diabetic for a lot of years, and his eyesight was so poor that he made sermon notes out of poster board and they were about this high and about this wide, and he would write in letters about that tall, and that was how he made his sermon notes. And, um, and even that, uh, if he sometimes would have trouble and he would get down real close to see his sermon notes, if he would get, get in the brush every once in a while. Well, I want to talk to you this evening about the clarity of the cross. 
the clarity of the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. You see, navigating this world with victory intact and making it into eternity with Jesus as, uh, as our uh, eternal reward to our eternal reward and our home in heaven, it will be largely a matter of the focus of our attention, the focus of our attention. We need to have clear focus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, can any of you identify with that? Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's bow our hearts for just a moment of prayer. Holy Father, thank you again for your word and thank you for your son and for his sacrifice on the cross. Father, would you help us to see clearly what we need to see, that we will understand this matter of focus and how important it is. And we'll praise you for your work in our lives. We pray that when we gather around the table in just a few moments to receive the bread and the cup, that you will feed and nourish our souls. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This matter of focus is important. Paul, in this passage, is talking to us about numerous things that he could be looking at. Um, you know, for a man with as many problems as the Apostle Paul had, I would think it would have been challenging for him to keep his focus off of his problems. He listed there quite a, quite a, a, a litany of issues, of problems. He says, we're afflicted, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. 
and all of these things that he mentions to the average person, it'd be enough to be at least a little bit discouraging. And you might think you'd be tempted to look at that rather than keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. But Paul says in verse 16, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For all of the problems, the issues of life, those, he says, are light and momentary afflictions. What is Paul making the, the, the focal point of his life? Well, the first thing that he mentions in this passage of Scripture is that he's going to focus on the treasure and not the vessel. The treasure and not the vessel. You see, the, the, uh, the, the part that matters is what's on the inside. It's not what's on the outside. Um, it is the treasure and not the vessel. In the days in which Paul lived, even going back as far as the time of Jesus, it was customary to hide treasured objects in clay jars, clay vessels, and those, it could be a hoard of coins. I was reading an article this afternoon about uh, uh, biblical archaeology and their museums in various parts of the world where you can see uh, coin collections on display that have been found where people hid their, their treasure, their coinage in a clay pot or a clay jar and sealed it up and buried it. And they either forgot about it or forgot to pass word along to their loved ones where their treasure was hidden and it was lost to time until someone much later on found it. Well, this is what Paul is referring to. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And he is referring there to the the body that his soul resides in. You know, we live in a, in a day where it's really uh, popular. It's, it's really a thing to work hard on taking care of your body. You know, we take care of our physical health as much as possible, and um, some people, you know, when I, was, when I was a young teenager, I worked hard to try to get in shape, and I was telling somebody not too long ago that my goals have changed. I, I used to be more interested in aesthetics and appearance, and, and uh, now I'm just more interested in survival. You know what I mean? I remember hearing a guy talk about this, and, and uh, you know, we take care of our bodies we work so hard to preserve this outward shell when there's nothing we can do ultimately to stop its deterioration. You know, from the day that we're born, it just, it's kind of all downhill from there, right? I heard a gentleman say he, he had a, a little button, like a lapel button, that said, eat right, exercise daily, and die anyway. And that's about the truth of the matter. 
And friends, people these days have lost focus so much. And I, I, will, I will tell you, I have found, I've found value in physical exercise and trying to take care of my body. I'm not, I'm not saying there's no value in that. But God's Word tells us it's of little value. It's of little value. That godliness with contentment is great gain. Bodily exercises of just a little value. By the way, this is a rabbit trail, but just for what it's worth, if you can tie a, a devotional activity with your physical activity, that, that makes it a whole lot more worthwhile. Somebody say amen. Thank you. All right. It really does. It makes it a lot more worthwhile. But Paul is saying here, it's not the outer body. It's the treasure and not the vessel. It is the master and not the servant. It's not himself. And he's telling us here to focus on the things that matter. Focus on the things that are truly important. And if we do, this focus will lead to clarity. That is clear vision, and it is as if you know what it's like to either use a telescope or a pair of binoculars, and you're trying to see something some distance off, and, and you have a means of focusing those lenses until you can get a really sharp, clear picture of what you're trying to look at. Well, focus leads to clarity, and uh, clarity means that you simply know what you're looking at. You know what you're looking at. When your vision is blurred, you can't be too sure what you're looking at. And Paul gives us in verse 13 an expression of determined faith and how it relates to focus. And we'll see a little bit more of that here in just a few moments. But verse 13, he says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. And here is, is what he is sure of as a result of focus. First of all, he's sure of ultimate victory. He's sure of ultimate victory. Notice verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. You see, in Christ, we find that we have already victory over death, hell, and the grave. You see, he has taken death upon himself. He's gone to the cross and shed his blood there, and the third day he arose again, and he has already defeated death on our behalf. And so we do not have to be afraid of the passing of this shell, this outward body, but we can rest and trust in the victory that Christ has purchased on our behalf. Because of his faith and his focus, the focus of his attention, Paul is certain. He is sure of ultimate victory. He is also sure that God will be glorified. He is sure, he is certain that God will be glorified. I'm reminded of a story I read as a young boy about a turtle that wanted to fly. Anybody ever read that story? <clears throat> and uh, the... I don't remember all the details of the story. I just remember how it was worked out that the turtle got to fly. And there were two, uh, 
I don't know, two geese, let's say. They, they uh, took a, a stick between their bills, and that turtle grabbed hold of the stick in the middle, and as those geese flew, that turtle held on, and that turtle flew through the air with those geese. Someone saw that happen and said, well, that's a bright idea. I wonder who thought of that. And the turtle said, I did. Well, and you know what happened to the turtle, right? Flat. Splat. That's what pride will do. In verse 15 of the scripture, Paul says, It is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And the focus of our attention as we focus on the cross, as we focus on who Jesus is and what God wants to work in us and in the world around us, we see that it is about not about the vessel and the servant because in glorifying and honoring ourselves, it does not lead to glory. But when we focus our attention on God and on the work that has been accomplished through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, then in that God. God will be glorified. Third, Paul is sure, he is certain that his trials will work for him and not against him. His trials will work for him and not against him. I understand, friends, that when you are in pain, it's hard not to focus on the pain. When you are in a time of trouble and trial, it's hard not to focus on the trouble and the trial. But if we can somehow, by God's grace and God's help, turn the focus of our attention away from the trouble and the trial and away from the pain and understand that God is at work in all circumstances for our benefit, for our good, then, friends, we can be certain that our trials and our problems will work for us and not against us. Verse 16 and 17, and this is really just another version of Romans 8, 28. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Friends, if you keep looking at your problems and your troubles, you will lose heart. You will come to a point of discouragement, and if you stay there, you will end up in despair. But Paul, in the midst of all of his problems, he says, We do not lose heart, because even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And friends, that is what makes all the difference. Can I ask you a question? What's going on in your inner self? Is your inner self being renewed day by day? If it's not, then friends, the focus of your attention will be all on what's happening around you and in your body and all of the problems that you have, and you'll be struggling and discouraged before long. Paul says our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Notice the contrasts that Paul gives us in these verses. He, he calls it a light affliction compared to a weight of glory, a light affliction. And, 
And if you read the life and the story and the history of the Apostle Paul, you will find out that his light afflictions were, were nothing that any of us would consider light. We would look at his, uh, his problems and think, wow, trauma and trouble and trial. And I think I'd be struggling if I were dealing with the same kind of things that Paul was dealing with. But Paul is able to focus on the cross of Jesus and what was accomplished there. And he says, our light affliction is working for us a weight of glory. He says, it is a momentary affliction compared to eternal glory. He says, the things that are seen are transient. That is, they are temporary. They are passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, this may sound like an oxymoron, but with Paul, I'm going to say, so I'm going to choose to focus my attention on what is unseen rather than what is seen. And he says, these problems that seem to be working against me are in reality working on my behalf. They're working for me. And as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, that we mentioned a moment ago, that God is at work in all circumstances for our good. And the good that he is trying to work in us is to shape and mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. He is sure his trials work for him and not against him. And then finally, he is sure of the invisible reality. Are you sure of the invisible reality? Verse 18, as we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friends, we need to keep always before us the danger of visible reality. If there's something that I would, I would want the young people that are here tonight to, to pay special attention to, it is these words that we need to be wary of the danger of visible reality. Because the visible reality of this world seems so real and so tangible and there's so much about it that is appealing and quite honestly easy to fall in love with but it is a it is a fickle attraction it is an attraction that will not last it's fool's gold it's temporary and young people and, and older people as well, only in focusing and treasuring what is uh, of value in the invisible reality will we find the treasure that truly lasts. We read words about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. talks about those who died in faith not having received the things that were promised them, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They hadn't yet received what was promised, but they lived in hope. They lived in confident expectation that God was going to keep what He had promised. And then verse 27 of Hebrews 11 
tells us about Moses and how by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. He had that kind of clarity that Paul is talking about. And you see how this all works out is because Jesus did it all first. Jesus did it all first. The ultimate vessel of clay with an amazing treasure inside was Jesus Christ Himself. God wrapped in flesh who humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross, the Apostle Paul says, he gave himself up to die because he was certain of victory over death, hell, and the grave. He did it for God's glory, certain that the trials would work for him, would work in his benefit rather than against him, because again, as the writer to the Hebrews said, that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame, certain that the invisible reality is the true reality, not what we can see, feel, and touch. So friends, as we prepare our hearts to come to the table in just a few moments, I want to tell you this evening that it is safe to give yourself up and empty yourself out like Jesus did. To refuse to focus on the vessel to refuse to focus on the things that we can see, but rather turn our attention and focus on the invisible reality because it is there that we find the victory has already been won on our behalf and it is there that our true treasure lies. Amen. As we prepare our hearts, I want to read for you a passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians This is Memorial Day weekend, and so a good day to remember what Jesus did, that He went to the cross on our behalf. 